Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every $20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at Armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. Welcome back to the program. I'm Rabina Ahmed Hawk, sitting in for Alex Pearson on point. There is a lot to discuss in the program coming up. But before we get to that, we're going to bring in our regular Tom Korski, managing editor of Black Locks Reporter, to talk about what's been happening in his world um, and to give us some tidbits into uh, what's happening in Ottawa. Tom, thanks. To, thanks and welcome to the program. Thanks you, uh, Rabina. So this uh, first story um, is about the payroll payouts for uh, the employees that were affected by the Phoenix pay system failure. Can you first start by telling me what that is all about? What exactly happened back then that um, that affected those federal employees? Well, one of the great uh, fiascos of all time, and it, and it cost taxpayers on and on and on, as it cost uh, two-thirds of federal employees at the time. To this day, any time anyone on Parliament Hill says, you know what we need is an IT fix, uh, like the blood just drains from people's faces, Phoenix Pay System was going to be a genius software system six years ago that was going to save taxpayers $70 million a year by streamlining scores of individual payroll departments. Uh, across the federal public service. Well, what could go wrong? Everything, everything went wrong. It garbled paychecks. Some people were overpaid. Some people underpaid. Some people lost their homes, went bankrupt. Total costs estimated three years ago by the Parliamentary Budget Office on this program that was going to save $70 million. Total costs were $2.6 billion, with a B. That figure has not been updated, and these costs just go on and on and on in terms of compensation and software fixes. One of the great Titanic iceberg moments of all time, and as you mentioned, very rarely discussed outside of Ottawa. So, um, I mean, before we get to, you know, these payments that have been paid out that are costing uh, taxpayers even more money, what, you know, when big government buys these IT programs, what sort of system should they be going through? You know, we've heard, we, we've heard of so many other examples of, um, you know, just they, they, they buy into these big software programs, they don't work, they ditch them, it costs money. What, what kind of process should they be going through to make sure that A, they're doing what they're supposed to be doing and B, uh, that it's not going to cost them more than they, you know, if they, if they think it's going to save, you know, $70 million, that it's not going to cost $2.6 billion? I think there's a, this is an interesting question. I think there's a couple of takeaways. One is uh, that streamlining doesn't save money. Uh, and, and this has been a sort of a philosophy in government for a long time. If you want to save money, just stop doing things. Never mind about doing things better, right? Because it, it never works. Because there are no consequences. How many people got fired as a result of the Phoenix fiasco? Zero. No one got suspended or fired. In fact, the Deputy Minister of Public Works, who oversaw the launch as the ship hit the iceberg, later got a promotion to Master of the Mint. Marie LeMay is her name. God bless her. She makes a third of a million a year. So it worked out well for her. For taxpayers, not so much. In this case, the auditor said it was an inexplicable failure. Because the Department of Public Works didn't even test it first. How about that as a, right. a precaution for taxpayers? How about just throwing the switch to see if the machine works 
They didn't even bother. Didn't even bother test driving the car before they bought it. They just they bought in and it thought, well, it's probably going to go. <laughs> it looked really good in the showroom. It was so shiny. It looked so good. Speaking of cars, um, you also have uh, a story about the climate rebates uh, that have gone out for electric vehicles. And you're saying that uh, millions of dollars have really gone f- towards uh, rewarding affluent drivers. So I think Tesla, you know, this most expensive electric car um, on, on the market right now, I believe. I'm not a car person, so don't quote me on that. Uh, tell me what's going on with that. And, and um, is it true? Is it only the rich getting these rebates? Uh, Transport Canada asked that question, and they sent out questionnaires. They will not disclose the findings to date, but they send out questionnaires to people who receive these 5,000 federal rebates, $5,000 rebates, at point of purchase of an electric car, such as a Tesla. Electric cars valued up to $55,000, $56,000 a year. Well, that's about twice the price of a minivan, and even the Commons Transport Committee says there's a price differential of fifteen dollars to $25,000 in electric cars. Electric cars are very expensive cars. And the criticism has always been, this is what killed Ontario's rebate program. Well, you're just subsidizing fat cats. Like mom, the, the, the single mom who's driving to Walmart and the jalopy is paying a rebate to uh, the stockbroker in the Canali suit. Why? So the Department of Transportation said, well, do the science, get the facts. And so they say, we, this was unknown at the time, they set out questionnaires to thousands of electric car buyers who receive rebates and asked really probative, embarrassing personal questions. How many cars do you own? What's your level of education? How much money did you make last year? They won't release the findings, Rabina. I think we could guess why. (laughs) Well, I mean, you can guess why. I I mean, to me, I don't know why they wouldn't release the findings, but I definitely do... uh, agree that in the beginning, it felt like, well, electric car is so expensive to buy. And then you're rewarding people with $5,000, people who probably can, you know, easily afford that money anyways, because they're spending, you know, close to $100,000 in some cases on a car. And, and then you say that also it, it, it benefited Tesla because more people went out and bought those cars because they get this fat rebate for, for purchasing a luxury car. Over, over a hundred million in rebates went to Tesla. Richest man on earth. Over $100 million taxpayers' dollars went to Tesla and rebates. The implication is people who are going to buy a Tesla are going to buy a Tesla anyway. They don't really need a check from the single mother to encourage them to buy electric because they were going to do it anyway. Why is this significant? Well, it's costly. It cost, as I mentioned, over $100 million for taxpayers. Maybe the Department of Transport should have done its research first before it flipped the switch on the machine because it looks shiny in the showroom. I'm seeing a trend here, Rabina. I don't know whether, <laughs> I'm pretty sure I see a trend. Uh, the rebates, uh, you know, with Tesla profiting from that, do you think that maybe uh, they need to come up with a rebate system if they want to push electric cars, they want to push green vehicles, maybe there should be a cutoff, uh, you know, after $50,000, you can't get this rebate. Is there a more is there a more equitable way to launch this program? Oh, or wh- why have any program? Uh, I mean, if people want electric cars, they can buy them. If they don't want them, they shouldn't have them. Uh, when has government interference in the marketplace 
ever benefited anyone, it winds up costing a lot of money. If you want lower emissions from road vehicles, and they say they do, then come up with higher emission standards. But, you know, Henry Ford didn't sell a billion Model Ts because Model T buyers got rebates. He sold them because people thought it was a useful, reliable, affordable car 100 years ago. Isn't that what we want? Don't we want factories producing, profitably producing, low-priced, reliable, safe, efficient vehicles that anyone can buy. I thought that was the whole point. I wanted to get your reaction on something uh, outside of this. Uh, Today, we got inflation numbers, uh, the highest since 1991, 6.7%. A huge chunk of that is gasoline. Gasoline gasoline is up 39.5% year over year. Um, is this going to push people, more people towards electric cars, um, rebate or not? Uh, because it's just getting so expensive to drive gasoline vehicles? Uh, it, it may. But if that was the point, uh, the arithmetic becomes a little rough, I think, Rabina. I mean, if you can't afford 60 bucks to fill the tank, you can't afford another $25,000 to buy a Tesla. So you kind of get it coming and going. Those inflation numbers, though, I agree with you, are absolutely horrifying. And the uh, governor of the Bank of Canada will face questioning uh, next week in the Commons Finance Committee on his forecast, which he blew again only a week ago. Governor Macklem said inflation would peak at under uh, 6%. And now it's close to 7%. Talk about the gang that couldn't shoot shoot straight. A lot of questions for Governor Macklem on this. Yeah, I mean... Economists uh, forecast all the time, and you know, the, when the numbers come out, we can we can piece you know piece them out and say you know you got this wrong, you got that wrong. But I think the fact is is that uh, everything in combination, the war in Ukraine, the pandemic, the supply chain issues, things are going to get more expensive before they get cheaper. But I am confident knowing that we're moving towards hopefully a more normalized interest rate environment. I think that is going to help uh, inflation not. In, in the immediate term, but definitely in 2023, 2024. Tom, thanks so much for joining us on the program today and breaking those stories down for us. Thank you, Rabina. That's Tom Korski. He's the managing editor of Black Locks Reporter. And I'm Rabina Ahmed-Huck. We'll be back after a short break.